Turn with me, please, to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. When I, before I was in the pastoral ministry, I was in a band called Hundredfold, a Christian band. And uh, I think this was probably right after we got married this time. But I was in a conference in a Liff Auditorium, actually, when the Liff Auditorium was in Mesa State College. Now it's, of course, CMU. And we were there for a concert, Christian concert, and we were fellowshipping with some other ministers. And a young pastor came up to me. He's not, I don't think he's around anymore, but uh, he came up to me and he said, just kind of in passing, he said, yeah, hey, John, and I wasn't pastoring yet. He said, you know, when it comes to local churches, God will give you as many people as you can love. This was like 35 years ago. Like it just happened yesterday. You know, when things happen to you that are from the Lord, they never get stale. They're always like they just happened, even if it was 50 years ago. Right. True experiences in God, true words from the Lord. You never get tired of them. They're always fresh. It's powerful. And the Lord told me back then, before I was even pastor, that when you do become a pastor, the Lord will give your church as many as you can love. Now, I know there's other reasons for church growth. Some are just man's ability to be good businessmen, which could be or not be the Lord. I don't know. Other reasons, you know, you can light yourself on fire and everybody come watch you burn. I mean, that'll attract a crowd. That doesn't mean it's church growth God's way. But a part of church growth, a large part of church growth God's way is that he will give us, as a church, as many of those precious people as we can love. I don't know if he's real excited about leading a bunch of people to a church that's going to lead them astray into lukewarmness or, you know, just, you know, not pursuing the Lord. But he will pack this church out. If we can prove to him, we will love those people when he brings them. God's real particular about his little lambs and his sheep. And he wants to make sure that they are coming to an environment where the believers in that environment I got a handle on selfishness, at least, you know, more than they used to. That they're going in the right direction, that if they follow us, we're going to lead them closer to wanting to do the perfect will of God than further away and saying, well, let's just see how much we can get away with before we get to heaven, you know. And like I said, please understand, church, I know that you can grow a church and not even be called of God simply because you know some good business principles. Church is good business these days. I don't know if you realize that. Church is a multi-billion dollar business these days. I don't know if you realize that. And people can do things with wrong motives and see crowds. Just because a church is big does not mean it's of God. I mean, if majority was what we're supposed to be following, then why did the Lord say broad is the way to destruction and many people are going down that road? But straight and narrow is the way to life and few there be that find it. Yeah, you don't, you don't want to just follow the majority. You want to go where love is. You want to go where Jesus is exalted. You want to go to a place, right, that's preaching victory for everybody. Especially if you need victory. Well, you will at one time or another need victory in your life. And so I keep thinking about what the Lord said to me 35 years ago. He said, I'll give you as many people as you can love. And I know that's not just up to me and Carla and a few leaders only, although it starts there. This has to get into every member of the body if we want our church to be packed out. And how many of you want this church to be packed out? And the reason we do, it's not because of being in a building. It's because if we know they're going to get the message of victory, so when, not if, the storms come, they're equipped. They overcome. There's two things that this church is called to do. Number one is to help you to live in total victory. And it's also here to help you fulfill God's perfect will for your life. And fulfilling God's perfect will for your life happens a lot smoother if you got some victory in your life. And so we're not going to stop on the victory message, even though some of us have been believing for victory for 10, 20, 30 years. Why give up now? All that would be a waste then. Right. You know, the last half hour of your faith is the most important. 
Sometimes it's when the attack is the most vicious because the devil knows if you hang in there just a few more minutes, you're going to see your miracle. You're going to see your healing. You're going to see deliverance. You're going to see the prosperity. So hang in there, church. Don't, don't quit. Don't ever quit. So I want to talk about some things today that I think will help us all to come up and experience more victory and other people to be able to come in so they can get the same. Mark chapter 9. I actually introduced this on Friday night. Two nights ago. And I'm going to share this with you. Mark chapter 9. Actually, you know, before I read this, I need to say this to you. We're going to talk about love makes faith easy. Love makes faith easy. Faith is not supposed to be such a struggle. You know, believing God for healing after you pray. Believing God for the salvation of a loved one after you prayed for their salvation. Believing God for prosperity. Faith is not supposed to be so hard. And one of the things that will take away the difficulty is growing in love. Love is the motive that wakes up faith like nothing else. Man, when you, when you have love for people, your faith has no problem rising up and ministering to them powerfully. I kind of put it like this. Faith says, I can get you free. Love says, I have to get you free. And that intense have to connected with your faith that can produce the impossible produces miracles. Hey, you like the graphic up there? Look at that. Love makes faith easy. Faith works by love. Galatians 5, 6. All right, so let's look at Mark chapter 9, and I want to show you that faith in God is how you get free. It's how you get healed. It's how you get saved. It's how you get delivered. It's how you minister effectively to other people. And I'm going to show you three verses here that what faith can do for you. And then we want to talk about for the remaining service of things we can do to help our faith to be 100% effective when we need it. All right. So look at Mark chapter 9, verse 23. Jesus said to a man whose son was having epileptic fits. Nobody could cure him. Jesus comes on the scene and sets him free. But Jesus said to the father of the child, because the father came to him for help. Jesus said, if you can believe, and he's saying this to everybody. If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes or her. Now, healing from final stages of cancer, healing from that, healing from cancer is possible. Or Jesus lied to us. I'm going to go with, uh, he didn't lie. Some people just haven't known this yet. Healing from AIDS, HIV virus. Healing from things the world says there's no cure for. Healing from those things is possible or the Lord lied to us. And you can, put the, you can put the scripture back up there. Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him or her that believes. Now, why, why am I bringing the scripture out? I want you to see that if you want help in your life and you want to be able to minister help to others, your faith is going to have to be unmessed with. Your faith is going to have to be ready to go. Your faith is going to have to be activated. Your faith is going to have to have no blocks in it. And that's why we're going to talk about love, because faith works by love. We'll see that in a second. But I want you to see that faith is vital if you need help, and if you're ministering to others, faith is vital for them to receive help. But if something's messing with our faith, we're not going to be able to receive, and we're not going to be able to minister properly if our faith is messed with. So we need to learn to protect our faith because the devil knows all things are possible to him that believes. So he's got to find ways to mess with your faith or to deal with you in such a way where your faith can't work like it's supposed to. How many think this is important here? Can you think of anything this verse can't fix? Mental, emotional, broken heart, family, relationship, sickness, disease, poverty. Can you think of anything this verse can't fix? All, aren't you glad it didn't say all things are possible to him that's perfect? <laughs> right. 
Am I the only one that's excited about that? I'm mean, glad he didn't say all things are possible to him that knows everything. All things are possible to him that is technically right in every situation. No, you can be have some flaws and still receive a miracle if you believe. And so I think we need to do that. I think I think we need to clarify some things about what faith is. Instead of trying to believe for healing or a miracle, instead of trying to believe, how about we just remind ourselves that Jesus didn't lie? I mean, what is faith? Faith is looking at the scriptures and saying God didn't lie. I'm just going to act like he didn't lie. Right? Faith is really a matter of do we believe in the integrity of the word of God? Now, you're going to be real different if you believe the Word of God. You're going to be different than most church people. You're going to sound different. You're going to look different. You're going to talk different, right? Because so many people, even in churches, they're not walking by faith. They're walking by sight. They're walking by what they feel. They're waiting for the doctor's report to get better before they're happy. Well, instead of trying to believe, just ask, did Jesus lie? Now, No wonder faith churches and the teachings of faith is under such attack. The devil knows these scriptures. Actually, the devil knows some of these scriptures better than some Christians know these scriptures. It's sad, but I don't know how. You can't just you know, go through life thinking prayer is going to fix everything. Prayer can't take the place of you getting in the word and knowing the truth and the truth making you free. Many people substitute prayer for getting in the word. You need them both. But the devil fights this. You know, in James chapter 1, don't turn there, but in verse 3 it says that your faith's going to be tested and tried. The enemy's going to try to take you away from your faith. Why? Because faith is how you get saved. Faith is how you please God. Faith is how you get healed. We're supposed to live by faith, walk by faith, right? Amen. And the enemy knows if I can separate people from their faith, they can't please God. They can't get healed. They're not going to be able to live right. And faith churches are under attack. You know, the Bible says in um, 1 Timothy chapter 4 that in the last... Let me, let me tell you exactly what 1 Timothy 4.1 says. 1 Timothy 4.1, Paul said to Timothy, a young minister, he said, The Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times, some Christians are going to depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils having their conscience seared with a hot iron and all this stuff in their lives. He said in the last days that's going to happen. Why? Because the devil hates faith. It's, I'm going to show you another scripture why he hates it, but faith is how we receive anything we need from the Lord. So the devil's got to figure out a way to mess with our faith. Well, here's the good news. You don't have to let him mess with anything in your life. Get in the Word and resist the devil and he will flee from you. But now turn with me to Mark chapter 11. Mark 11 and verse 24. Jesus gives us a powerful word on prayer here. If you want your prayers to be effective, memorize this verse. Get this verse in your spirit. Get it in your blood. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty-four, Therefore I say unto you, to who? Whoever. Whoever is going to read it and want it. Therefore I say unto you, Jesus is, say this, Jesus is talking to me. Therefore I say unto you, Jesus said, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe, right then when you pray, believe that you receive them, those things you desire when you pray. Believe you receive them right then and you shall have them. I can't think of anything this verse of scripture can't fix. If you need healing, that's a part of whatsoever you desire. If you need prosperity, that's a part of whatsoever you desire. He will help you come up in every area of life. But notice what it hinges on. Notice, whatever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them. Don't just believe God wants you to have it. That's good, but that's not what he said here. You've got to take some action. You've got to take into your life what he's provided by faith. You believe you got it because you asked for it. You know it's God's will. And you don't even care if you feel any better or worse. God didn't lie. I got the victory. And if things don't change, God's not real. Come on. 
And things have to change. You have that kind of faith, that's the kind of boldness you need to resist demons when they try to get you to doubt that your prayers are being answered. He said, believe you receive those things when you pray and you'll have them. Eventually you'll have them. Just stand in faith. Don't be moved by what you see or feel at the moment. Just stay in faith and declare, God can't lie, God can't lie, God can't lie, God can't lie. It's happening, it's happening, it's happening, it's happening. And devil's poking you with symptoms and fear and sickness. Say, it ain't happening, it ain't happening. You say, it's happening, it's happening, it's happening, it's happening. Amen. Trying to get me to think God didn't lie, devil, huh? You're the liar. Amen. Trying to tell me it didn't work when Jesus said it is working. Amen. So, so don't, I, I like to say this about this verse here. Don't pray just because you have a need. Pray when you're ready to believe you receive something. Don't just pray, now if it's an emergency, I understand, that's different. But when it comes to some of these other things, don't just pray. Don't just think you're ready to pray because you have a need. Get in the Word. Build your faith. You know God wants you to have this thing. I got scriptures backing up my request. Get ready to believe you receive something so that when you pray, you don't have another prayer failure. Those are important words right there. Now turn to Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6. And I'd like you to look at verse 16 for time's sake. He's talking about us as believers putting on the whole armor of God as we're standing against these forces that are coming against us in this life. He says here, one of the pieces of armor that Paul tells us to put on as, as Christian believers Paul says, above all, see, when it comes to resisting the devil, when it comes to resisting the works of the devil, when it comes to resisting things that are coming against you to try to steal your health or your marriage or your children, above all, take up the shield of faith. Oh, well, wait, wait, wait. What's this saying here? It's saying that faith must be more than just an inward passive belief. Faith is something you use. See, most people haven't gotten this part of faith. Faith is something you better be using. Somebody says, well, I have faith. That's like a soldier saying, I have a gun and not using it and getting shot on the battlefield. You better, you better have more than having a gun. You better know how to use it when the enemy attacks. And you better be smart. And you better know how to take that thing apart in the dark, put it together in the dark. You, you need to know your weapon. And you need to use your weapon if you're going to live in victory. Amen. Having a weapon is not using a weapon. You have faith, church. You, this is one of the reasons you need to call a church that believes faith is important because someday everybody in life is going to need to use their faith multiple times. And if you don't know how, you're at a disadvantage. And so here he says, Above all, take up the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench almost all. Every last <laughs> oh, come on now the shield of faith if you lift up the shield of faith you're going to be able to quench 99.999% darts of the wicked you know what darts of the wicked is it's fear it's disease it's sickness it's destruction early death it's all kinds of, the Bible says Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. There's more than sin involved here. There's all kinds of works uh, of the devil that you can be protected from if you'll lift up the shield of faith. How many think this makes knowing what faith is very important? How faith works, very important. How faith comes, very important. How faith is developed, very important. How to protect your faith, very important. Now, this is, this is sad, but if you could put on spiritual glasses, you'd see a bunch of believers, maybe even some here today, with darts stuck in them all over the place. If you could put on these glasses, we'd see darts in a lot of people, Christians. And that doesn't have to be. Darts of anxiety, darts of fear, right? Darts that have gotten through one way or another. And it's not because people are bad. You don't have to be bad to get shot at. Where, 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 where does it ever say that in war, right? The only ones that get shot at are the bad guys. There, there's good soldiers that have gone down. You can't say they went down because they were bad. Being good is wonderful, but that's not lifting up the shield of faith. 
The sad thing about it is a lot of people have no comprehension of what faith really is. They just think they believe because they're saved and they're going to heaven. Faith is to help you till you get to heaven. It's to help you overcome fiery darts and thoughts that come to your brain and your body and your family and your finances. You can, you can quench every single one of them. Let me tell you how you can tell if you've heard enough about faith. You're living in victory over everything. I said, let me tell you how you can tell if you've heard enough teachings on faith. Not one fiery dart is getting through to you anymore. You're stopping it all before it gets to you. Hmm? <laughs> Some people have left faith thinking it doesn't work, not realizing they just needed to go deeper in it before it started working better. Okay, moving right along. Ephesians 6 says, Faith is not only something you have, it's something you're supposed to use. Did it say, I wanted to say this about this verse, did it say, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith God shall be able to quench all the fiery darts aimed against you? Is that what it said? Any teaching that says it's all up to God, whether you win or li win in life, that teaching is off. God is not our servant, and we just kick back and do nothing, and he feeds us grapes all day. Hmm? He, he loves us. He's provided for us. But one of the greatest things you can do for your children is let them grow up and start doing some things for themselves. It's a sad situation in the natural when people don't develop properly, and it's a sad situation spiritually when they don't develop properly. Very sad. It's not a laughing matter. We want to develop. Well, it didn't say wherefore God will do this. He said wherefore we will quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Now, after this introduction now, <laughs> go to 1 Corinthians, please, chapter 13. 1 Corinthians 13. And um, I believe this is going to really set you free, church. 1 Corinthians 13. To say this with me before we get into this verse. Say this. Love makes faith easy. You like that? I mean, think it's awesome if, if how to get our prayers answered, how to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, how to see the impossible. I mean, that's awesome if that's easy. Yeah. It's not fun when it's always a struggle and hard, church. I'm going to tell you this again. Say this. Love makes faith Easy. See, don't just work on faith if you need to be a better receiver from the Lord. Got to work on your love. I like to put it like this. You ready? So we're, we're going to talk about a core issue today. I like to say it like this. Faith is what you have. Love is what you are. And you can't just be any person you want to be in your faith work great. Hmm? You gotta you gotta you gotta be the kind of person that compliments great faith and then isn't always trying to have great faith. There's a certain kind of person you can be and a certain way you can live to where it is not hard to receive answers from the Lord. I said this on Friday night. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I want to make sure I get this out. I said this in 1 John 4.16. The Bible says we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love. And he that lives in love lives in God and God in him. And so I asked the church on Friday night. I said, who, who's the person you know in life who gets most results in this area of faith? And we said, you know, Keith Moore, Kenneth Hagin, Kenneth Copeland. But really, the person that I know who gets best results in this area of faith, seeing the impossible, is God himself. Right? Well, I wonder if God is love has anything to do with his amazing, effective faith. Right. 
that created the planets and the world and the universe. Isn't it interesting to note that great faith is in conjunction with great love? You want to have the God kind of faith? You're going to have to be yielding to the God kind of love. Now we know the whole thing begins with knowing how much He loves us. Right? I mean, that's how we love Him because He first loved us. So if you don't know the Lord loves you, you might want to hang out on that teaching for a while. And, but then you're not going to, don't wait for some euphoria feeling before you realize you got it. Start believing He loves you. Start believing. As soon as you read a scripture on Christ died for you, believe it. Believe He loves you so much He died for you. And then start loving other people like He loved you. Don't wait for some feeling. I think some people think i got to get into grace teachings and love te- God loves me teachings so much until something just lifts me up and puts me in this place where I'm supposed to be and do all these things I'm supposed to do. Ain't going to happen. You're going to have to believe it when you read it. Right. And then whether you've got feelings or not, you just start acting like He acted towards you. Right. Hmm? How do you love other people? Well, how does He love you? How do you forgive other people? How did He forgive you? Is he constantly bringing up your mistakes? The devil will, but God won't. All right, moving right along. 1 Corinthians 13, notice verses 1 through 3, and then we'll jump to verse 8. 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, which, that's awesome. We believe in speaking in tongues in our church. It's a powerful gift for this dispensation. But if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels... And I don't have love. That's the word love in the Greek. Paul said, I've become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. In other words, I'm a bunch of irritating noise. Interesting. Next verse. If I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge. Now notice, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains or tumors or cancers or sickness or disease. If I have all this faith and I don't have love. I'm nothing. Wow. Next verse. We read this during the offering. Though I give all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and I don't have love, it profits me nothing. Now, if you were the devil, (laughs) and don't hit your neighbor or spouse and say, I told you, no. (laughs) If you were the devil, what would you attack? Tongues? Mm, He does. People prophesying? And he does. Faith? Oh yeah, he does. But if you're the devil, what would you put most of your effort towards stopping in a believer's life? The one thing that makes the rest of it work. Don't think the enemy is not working in this area towards you. There are little violations of love that happen every day that squelch our faith that keep us from praying effective prayers, that keep us from ministering to other people powerfully. There are little things. You know, the love of, you know, the amazing, greatest thing in the world, the love of God is seen in small little things you do every day in life. And a lot of people are deceived into thinking that's no big deal, and it's actually God. Because God is love. Love, a lot of times, is, is never seen by another person Because there's things done in secret that love could care less whether they had any recognition for. So, if if we were the devil, and we ain't, praise God, we would probably say, "Let's, let's knock out or mess up the one thing that affects all these other things. Tongues and prophecy and knowledge and faith that moves mountains in our giving. Well, we need to be aware of the fact that there are invisible forces arrayed against us in this area every day. And little violations of love are violations of love. Scratch the word little. There's nothing little about a violation of love. Here's the cool thing, church. Here's the cool thing. Romans 5.5 says, The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who's been given unto us. So the love you need is in you. You need to be aware of it, and you need to yield to it, and you need to grow in it. How do you grow in love? (laughs) Well, you come up against a situation where you feel like slapping, and you don't. Right? You get in a situation where you're tempted to be impatient with a 
person who's making life difficult for you? Well, if we're growing in love, last year we stayed calm to hear. But man, when they did that other thing, this year we stay calm to hear. And the next year we stay calm to hear. We're growing, we're developing in love. And it happens by using it. All right. So, verse 8. Love never fails. But whether there's prophecies, there's coming a day they're going to fail. Whether there's tongues, there's coming a day we're not going to need to speak in tongues anymore because we're not going to just know in part anymore. We're going to know as He knows. They shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. So, love never fails. Everybody say, love never fails. This is one of the reasons a lot of good works of people are not as successful as they could be because they're not done because of love. They're not done in love and they're not done for love like they could be. If love never fails, that means whatever you do in love is going to succeed. Secular business, teaching, being a housewife, whatever you do in love must, must not fail. God will see to it that it does not fail. Okay. I'm glad you liked this so far. I want you to look at um, Galatians 5 before we close. Look at Galatians chapter 5. Say this with me. Faith says it can happen. All things are possible, right? To them that believes. Say this. Faith says it can happen. Love says it must happen. This is going to speed things up, church. You add love, it must happen to faith that says it can happen, you will see miracles. Let me, let me ask it this way. What if you had to increase financially because of your love for others and wanting to help them more? What if you had to be rich? Amen. Child of God. I'm not talking to nobodies here. I'm talking to people who have access to heaven's resources, the power of God, increase. What if you had to be rich? Hmm? I think we should grow and develop so much in love that we can't take it anymore that people are sick. And we do something we've never done before toward them. I mean, we're more led by the Spirit because we have to be. We're more in faith when we minister because we have to be. Love says you have to be free. And while I'm here, you're going to get everything I've got to see that that happens. I know people got to want to be free, but there's a lot of people that want to be free. And our love needs to come up so our faith works better for them. Y'all seeing this here? Say this. Faith says it can happen. Love says it has to happen. Come on, let me ask you. I know this is a hard question. I'm not saying this. I mean, I, I have to deal with this myself. Let me just, how many of you, okay, listen to this. Right? What if you had to be healed? You've already got faith that says all things are possible. What if you had to be healed? What if something inside of you was so strong that said, I have to be healed? Well, your faith will come up and boot some things out of your life. Hmm? Great. Work on faith. Work on faith. But there's times we need to meditate on how much we love God and how much we love people. And that will ignite our faith. I put it like this. I hope you can, I hope you can receive this. I'm going to say this as slowly and as clearly as I can. As you grow in love for God and for people, as you grow in love, faith becomes a necessary business. As opposed to just something you use to get what you want. I said, as you grow in love, as your heart gets more full of love, faith becomes a serious, necessary business. Instead of just something you use when you need or want something yourself. I can't think of anything that will make your faith fully effective, anything greater than love. Jesus was moved with compassion on them and healed their sick. It said he was moved with compassion and healed the blindness. He was moved with compassion. I know when you're moved by the love of God and by compassion, 
you just flat out don't care what you look like, don't care what you sound like. All you care about is getting somebody delivered. God's put some power, powerful things in me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I've got the faith of God. I've got the love of God. Be healed in Jesus' name. And something tangible flows out of you because it had to. It's no longer just cool to see people receive a miracle. We have to see them receive miracles. The love of God will not let us sleep until we start seeing more results. I like the verse in Corinthians, I think it is, where Paul said the love of Christ constrains us. I love that. The power of love and faith mixed together it produces miracles that this world's just... It's needing tremendously, but they haven't even seen it in our generation like they need to. I think sometimes we just need to turn off our TV for a week or two, sit on the couch and meditate on how much we love God and how much He loves us and how much we love people until that love gets so strong that we got our own vision, not some dumb television's vision in our brain. We got our own vision of setting people free. Why we're really here, why we were born. Our love can grow so strong that we just can't take it anymore. That people are sick and dying when they don't have to be. Hmm? And we think love can compel us to such a degree where we start doing things we've never done before. Hmm. Galatians 5, are you there? Galatians 5, Paul says to all Christians everywhere, For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision avails anything, which simply means circumcision today under the New Testament is not going to benefit us. Spiritually speaking. Nor uncircumcision. This is how you became a covenant partner with God in the Old Testament. was a part of it, a sign of it. He said in Jesus Christ, because see, he's writing to a church that was going back to works and, and going back to saying we're saved by works only. And, and Paul said, no, you got to stay on track here. He said, listen, in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which works by love. I like to put it like this. Works in and of themselves aren't going to benefit you much. No works isn't going to benefit you much. Because right. you know, sometimes you have two people. You've got the people who ever say, well, works are important. Somebody says, they're not important at all. And somebody over here says, works aren't that important. They say, yes, they are. They're both wrong. Right. The most important thing under the New Testament is faith which works by love. How many want your faith to work? Well, I guess I could ask it this way. How many of you want to receive answers to your prayers? Because that's how your prayers are going to be answered, because you're believing God right. How many of you want to see other people helped? It's going to take faith to help them. So really what we're saying is, how many of you want success in life? Well, then you're going to have to have two things. Faith, which works by love. How many want your faith working really good next time a challenge comes your way? then make sure you're a person of love to the best of your light that you have. Faith works by love. Now turn to Luke chapter 7, and we'll close with this. Luke 7. I wanted to say this, that um, we're going to talk just for a little bit, probably not today, but of what love is. And we skipped over it purposely when we went from 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. We skipped over verse 4, 5, 6, and 7. But verses 4, 5, 6, and 7 of 1 Corinthians 13 tells us what love is. How to live in love. And one thing I want to say about love is we need to get to the point to where we're not trying to do these things, but that we are these things. It's like stepping into a whole new room, a whole new place, a, it's like going from AM to FM. You're on a whole different band, a whole different wavelength. We need to get to the place to where we are unconsciously wanting other people to have the best as opposed to ourselves. We need to get to the place where we're unconsciously wanting to do good things without recognition. Are you following me? Because these, these, are, these are things concerning love. Now, I left a book in my office. Would you go get it for me, Matt? It's the blue book called Love, the Way to Victory. There's a couple things I wanted to read out of Kenneth Hagin's book. But look, look at Luke chapter 7 and verse 9. 
Jesus is talking about a Roman centurion, not an Israelite. <laughs> this is not a, a, an Israelite. This is a Roman soldier Jesus is talking about. And he says something about a Roman soldier he wished he could have said about Israel, God's people, but he couldn't at this time. When Jesus heard these things, Jesus marveled at this centurion, which we'll look at in just a moment. And Jesus turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I say to you people, I have not found so great faith, not even in the whole country of Israel that I found in this centurion. Now stop right here. Now if you were an Israelite in those days, <laughs> that would have been a low blow, man. Jesus, what are you saying? You're saying this Roman centurion? Rome's oppressing us, Jesus. Yeah, but all those guys weren't that, some of those guys were catching on to the teachings of Jesus. And, and he said, Jesus said, I got this Roman centurion here that has greater faith than all these people I've looked at in Israel. And these, the Israel's supposed to the ones that's supposed to have the great faith. Here I got a Roman centurion. Probably never read a scripture. Right? Who knows? He didn't have any Kenneth Hagin books. Heard no teachings on faith through the internet. Right? right? Probably didn't go to a faith church. And he's got greater faith than all the people Jesus was sent to that were supposed to have faith. And I thought, where'd this guy get faith from? It's so interesting to me. This man, from what I can gather, heard very little about Jesus. But when he heard it, something caused his faith to latch onto it like a bulldog. He didn't have to read 500 scriptures on faith. He didn't have to read 10 books on faith. Something about who he was caused the first time he heard about Jesus to cause his faith to rise up and produce a miracle for a servant of his. Now no, notice, Jesus said this man had great faith. So here's what I did. I said, Lord, why did, this why did this centurion have such great faith? How did he have such great faith? We're called Faith Heights Church, Jesus. I want to know more about faith. This man had great faith. You, Jesus, you only marveled at two people in this area on the earth, and one of them was this man, and another was a woman who had great faith. How can you make the creator of the universe marvel? Jesus, what happened? How did he have great faith? What, what is this? What, I want to know about... And the Lord said, you're going to have to find out more than just what he had. You're going to have to find Find out what kind of person he was that had this great faith. Because if you have what somebody else has, but you're not what they are, it still won't work for you. Amen. Come on, let me ask it again. Who's the greatest person you know that gets results with faith? God is love. God, He created the planets by faith. The worlds are created, right? Through faith, we understand the worlds were framed by the Word of God. Through faith. God created everything by faith. But why did His faith work so great? Oh, I wonder if it has anything to do with God is love. Right. How many glad God is love? Amen. Hmm? I, God has a bunch of stuff. You know, He has power. He has wisdom. But He is love. Love. Do you think God is love had anything to do with his effectiveness in creating the universe by faith? You know it did. See, faith, faith takes love very seriously. And love takes faith very seriously. There's just some things that have to happen when you're operating in love. And your faith knows that and things happen. Your faith, is, your faith doesn't just jump up because you want something. But man, when you want something because of love, now your faith is rising to the forefront and saying, let's get this thing done right now, right now, right now. Amen. Your faith works so much better when what you're wanting is because of love. Not just, oh, life would be easier. Oh, wouldn't that be cool? Oh, that'd be great. Got to go deeper than that, friend, if you want your faith to be great faith. So now notice verse 2. Let's back up. What happened here? What, what led up to him saying, I have not found so great faith? A certain centurion servant who was dear unto him. Stop right there. Wait, 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 wait. This guy has an employee. And the employee gets sick. And the employer, the centurion, it touched his heart. It shows you right here, this was a good guy, right? I mean... He's not just after this man's you know, hourly, hourly work and efforts on the job. This guy meant something to this centurion. He wasn't just saying, you're an employee. If you're sick, go ahead and take time off. You know, we'll get somebody to replace you. This, is, this bothered this guy. What does that show us about 
who he was. What does this show us? Come on, we're leading up to great faith. What does this show us? He's a good guy. He cares about his employees. If they're sick, it hurts him. It doesn't just mess up his business plan. It hurts him. And so, he's dear unto him. Can we tell a lot about what kind of guy this is right here? His servant was sick and it, it hurt him. It, it, he was dear unto him. Hmm. Sounds to me like this is a compassionate guy here. And his servant was ready to die. Next verse. And when he heard of Jesus... He must have heard Jesus is a miracle worker. He's a healer. And that's all he needed to hear. His faith rose up and man, did he get a miracle. Look at this. The centurion sent to Jesus elders of the Jews because the man didn't come himself. He didn't feel worthy to come in Jesus' presence. And the man beseech, uh, these elders were beseeching Jesus that he would come and heal this centurion servant. Now listen what the elders said about the centurion. This is not the centurion saying this about himself. Next verse. When these elders came to Jesus, these delegates from the centurion, they besought Jesus instantly saying, Jesus, this guy, this centurion who has a sick servant, he's worthy for whom you should do this. We don't have a reputation like that unless you're a pretty good person. People come and say, listen, Jesus, you've got to do this for this man. This man... He's worthy of whom you should do. Now the man himself thought, I'm not even worthy to come to Jesus. That's a powerful trait. But these other people are saying, Lord, he's worthy that you should give him this miracle. This is a good guy. He's not just your average Roman beating people up and pushing people around and doing things for money. He cares about people, Jesus. We've been around him. How many know it's most important what other people say about you as opposed to what you say about you? <laughs> So they're saying, Lord, he's worthy of whom you should do this. Next verse. For he, the centurion Jesus, he loves our nation. This is the Jewish people talking about a Roman centurion. Jesus, this man loves our... Everybody say loves. Loves. Oh, I wonder if there's any connection between his love and his faith. Working so wonderfully. Jesus, this centurion, loves our nation. And he didn't just say he loves us. He spent money on us. He built us a synagogue. He helped us personally. Next verse. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends unto him, saying unto him, Lord, the centurion said, Lord, don't trouble yourself. I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof. What a great heart. Respect and reverence for the Lord. And Next verse. Wherefore, the centurion said, Neither thought I myself worthy to come unto you, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. And we just read the other verse. Go ahead now. It says here, he has not found... Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Verse 8. The man said, I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. I say to one, go, and he goes. To another, come, and he comes. To my servant, do this, and he does it. So the centurion had great faith that when the Lord speaks his word, disease has to obey Jesus, just like his soldiers obeyed him. All right, so it, then it talks about the man getting healed, the, the servant getting totally healed, and Jesus said the centurion had great faith. So the Lord told me one time, he said, son, don't just study what this man had. Study the kind of person he was. So listen to this. You guys, are you guys receiving this? Say I'm receiving this. I believe you are. So I, I was thinking about this, and the Lord said, Son, instead of just trying to have great faith, be the kind of person that already has it. Certain things go with this kind of heart. One of them is it's not hard to believe God. When you need help, you release faith, and things happen. Let me just read you this in closing here. I wanted to give you a couple nuggets here before we close. This is Kenneth Hagin's book, Love the Way to Victory. And I want to read you here under, these are my wife's glasses, so don't laugh at me. Um, this is under, the, this is under the, the chapter, The Benefits of Walking in Love. And Kenneth Hagin learned a lot about this. He says, um, he's referring to a scripture in 1 Peter that says, If we'll refrain our tongue from speaking evil toward other people, 
that will love life and will see good days. And he's talking about days in the hospital are not good days. Days in jail are not good days. So if you want to walk in, if you want to walk in victory, you're going to have to walk in love and not say bad things about other people. He says here, Kenneth Hagin says, you won't be able to harbor unforgiveness in your heart and talk about others if you want to see many good long days. Those days when you're sick are not good days, are they? Sometimes when people are sick, even though they've been thoroughly grounded in the truth of the Word of God, they make all the right confessions, they still have difficulty getting their faith to work for them. They have faith, but they can't seem to get their faith activated. Why isn't their faith working? The first thing they should examine is their love walk. Now, I could have said that, but Kenneth Hagin is on a higher level than me, so I thought you needed to hear it from him. He says here, Oh, where are you? He says here, he's talking about how he was tempted to criticize another preacher who was doing some things that were not right, and the Lord said to Kenneth Hagin, You better stop it, because you're judging another man's servant. Is he serving you? Is he serving me? The Lord said. He said, well, Lord, he's surely not serving me. He says, then you better watch what you say about him because you better not judge another man's servant. To his own master, he stands or falls. And he said, watch, I'll make him stand. He said, we're not to criticize the Lord's servants. Sometimes, Kenneth Hagin says, it's the things we say about other people that cause us ill health. He was in the healing ministry for, for 50, 60 years, guys. He knew what he was talking about. He had seen many, many people get healed, a lot of people who didn't get healed, and reasons why. So let me read you this here. He says under chapter 6, Failing to walk in love can affect your health. He says, If people understood how much walking in love has to do with people receiving their healing, they'd be more interested. Um... Sometimes people just need to make an adjustment in their love walk before they can receive their healing. Over a period of many years, I've had person after person tell me the same thing. Now he's talking about connection between forgiving other people, like Jesus forgives us, and how that has to do with walking in love. So just listen to this here, church. You can, you can handle this. It'll only be another minute. Over a period of many years, I've had person after person tell me that same thing. They had to forgive someone and get the situation straightened out before they could receive their healing. Some of them were even terminal cases. I never did have to pray for those people or lay hands on them. Think about that. This man was healed of terminal cancer when he exercised forgiveness. Then I've seen those same people. Oh, then he goes on talking to some other people. Anyway. So I just wanted you to see and hear that from Kenneth Hagin's book on Love, the Way to Victory, because he, he's seen it firsthand many times. Making adjustments in love helped him to get healed of terminal diseases, not just studying faith. Let's stand up.